Good morning, everyone. Glad you're with us today. Take the opportunity, text, email, phone call. Let some folks know that maybe they're not in church. Maybe they can't be in church today. Um, for whatever reason, maybe it's someone who you'd like to invite to church. Give them a call. Tell them to join us. We'd love to have them. Thank you for coming and being a part of McDowell Missions Ministries. My wife, Lori, and myself, we thank you for coming and being a part of this uh, broadcast and this worship service today. As we open, we want to open in prayer as we always do. We want to remember prayer requests. Here in McDowell County, uh, the COVID virus and the COVID outbreak has, like everywhere else, it is escalating. We want to remember all of the people who have been affected by it and are affected by it, all of the families the families of those who have lost loved ones to it. Those who have, um, who, who continue to work on the front lines, trying to help care for it and take care of those who deal with it. We want to remember all of you today and we want to say thank you for your work, for your efforts, for your sacrifices. We want to say thank you to the law enforcement that are in our community, our state, and our nation as they too have been uh, with a tremendous feat, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, they have been demonized by media. Uh, there are there are people in law enforcement who shouldn't be there. But that does not, that small, small group does not and should not discredit the entire career, the entire uh, force itself. We appreciate the law enforcement. Whether you're police, sheriff, federal, state, whether you're inside the prison system or outside the prison system, we appreciate you and we want to thank you and we want to pray for you today. We also want to pray for the many people who are beginning to feel financial effects once again from the COVID shutdowns. We want to pray for you and your families today. We also want to pray for the state leaderships and the federal leadership in our nation. Regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of circumstances or situations, we want to pray for you that God will bless you, God will work in your heart and in your life that you will make decisions that are based upon the wisdom of God in His Word. I hope you're sharing your prayer requests. We have had some come in this morning. We want those people to know that we remember them today. Rose, we remember you and your prayer requests. Others who have came in and chimed in. David, we remember yours. Um, others that have came in. I just looked at those a few minutes ago. Thank you. We remember your prayer request. We remember and appreciate your attendance. And we appreciate your support of what God is doing in the McDowell Missions Ministry throughout this county and in the lives of all of those that's being touched by His Word today. So once again, as you share your request, we want to open in a word of prayer. Then we are going to once again go to the book of Mark. We will go to the book of Mark chapter 2 and we'll begin reading with verse 21 this morning. 
But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father and Lord God, thank you so much for the day you have given. Thank you for grace and mercy. Thank you for faith to rely on and call upon Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving your life on Calvary's cross that I can have eternal life. And thank you for your word that it can be shared and that eternal life can be shared with so many more. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll take the message today. You will take the word of Jesus Christ. You will bless it. You will anoint it. You will send it forth to touch hearts and lives. You will move in the life of the unsaved that they will come to know you. You will move in the lives of the saved that they will know you better. They will reach up and reach out to you. They will grow closer to you. Remember all of the requests today. Those that are spoken, those that are unspoken. Heavenly Father, you know what's needed in our hearts and in our lives. God, we pray that you'll open our eyes to what our needs are. Not what our wants are necessarily, but what our needs are. Lord, that we would rely on you to meet those needs. We would call upon you to bless our hearts and bless our lives. Our leaders, they need your guidance today. Lord, they need the wisdom. Lord, they need the conviction to call upon you. To call upon you for that wisdom in that direction. Now, Heavenly Father, as we close this prayer, be among your word today. Hide your messenger behind the cross. Bless all of the pastors, all of the preachers, all of the evangelists that are carrying forth your word today. Heavenly Father, may it not return to you void, but may it accomplish all you have purposed it to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you will, take your Bible. Turn with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2. And we're going to look at beginning at verse 21 this morning. But we're going to look at a parable. The first parable that Mark records. And he puts it in a very, very interesting place. In the discord that Christ had with the call of Levi and the issue with the Pharisees that we looked at last week. You see, the Pharisees, if you remember, the Pharisees were, uh, they were giving Christ a hard time. They were giving him difficulty because his disciples were not fasting. And the Pharisees, well, you know, they felt like that ritual of fasting, it showed how pious they were. And that's really all it showed was what kind of people they were. Because they did it with a wrong heart, with a wrong attitude, with a wrong and a bad understanding of what it meant. And Jesus corrected them in that understanding. And Jesus set the precedence for them. He said, how can the children of the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is with them? But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away, and then shall they fast in those days. Jesus spoke about the time that he would no longer be with his disciples, and that would be their fast. Well, Jesus carries on and continues with verse 21. Looking at these same Pharisees, Jesus says, 
No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth forth new wine in the old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into old bottles. Well, now that is a pretty straightforward set of comments that's badly misunderstood today because we don't really understand the context how Jesus was stating it, stating it and the illustrations that he was using. Uh, here in the mountains of North Carolina, we've got a little clearer understanding of it than some in other places. But in case you don't, Jesus is talking about the practice of repairing or patching clothes. Now, I don't know if you've ever worn patched clothing. I have. And, you know, it's very obvious when a piece of clothing is patched. You've got an old pair of jeans or an old pair of work clothes, and you put a patch in it, and it stands out like a sore thumb. But Jesus wasn't worried about so much what it looked like. Even though the obvious appearance is there and it's important, and we'll get back to that. Jesus is talking about the integrity of the garment. You see, in Jesus' day, there was a very interesting process here. Most cloth was made out of wool, sheep wool. And as it was cut, and as it was spun into a yarn, and then as it was woven into a garment, it was all one continuous piece of cloth. Then it was sewn into a garment, and then it was worn, and washed and worn. But you see, something is different today about our clothes and our cloth. Most of our clothing today is pre-shrunk, which means it goes through a process of washing before it ever gets to us in the store. And all of the shrinkage has already taken place and is considered into the sizing of the garment. It wasn't that way in Jesus' day. Over time, a garment would shrink and settle and, and it would set into its proper fit. Then when a, when a problem would happen, it would be torn. Well, if someone went back and took a new piece of cloth, and cut a patch out of it and sewed that patch into it. Then when they started washing that garment, or they started uh, cleaning it and started using it, it would start shrinking too. And then what would happen? That tear would get worse. The damage would get worse. So how does that fit in to our lives? Well, like I said from the beginning, there was a, a visible thing of a patch that's on a piece of clothing. Jesus is telling the Pharisees and all of those listening that you can't put a patch on a person's life. You see, Jesus isn't a patch. Jesus isn't something that just looks good on the outside and it's just attached to an old, worn-out, sin-scarred body and life that nothing has changed on the inside that it's attached to. Jesus, when he comes into our hearts and into our lives, what Jesus does is he changes us from the inside out. 
He doesn't just put a patch on the outside. I'm thankful that Jesus makes that change on the inside. Had Jesus not made a change on the inside of my life, then I couldn't stand here today and I couldn't be able to proclaim His Word because it would not be coming from the heart. It wouldn't be coming from an anointing of the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't be coming from the moving and the grace and the beauty and the mercy of God. But because of that change, because there wasn't a patch place on the outside, there was a change that took place on the inside. There was a washing on the inside. There was a sizing and a, 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 and a, and a, a shaping of my life from the inside out. And the mending that took place took place with the proper equipment, with the proper attire. It took place. I have a new garment. A garment that is washed white in the blood of Christ. Not anything that I've done. There's nothing that we can do. Nothing at all that we can do. Jesus continues on when he goes into the part of the wine bottle. You see, these wine bottles that Jesus was working with then, they were very simply just a, a, a skin, an animal skin that was sewn together. And, and they would put wine in it. And they would cork it. And they would set it up and it would begin the fermenting process. As it fermented, it would swell the bag. Then they would open it and let the pressure out and close it again. Then it would swell the bag some more. And they would go through everything that they needed to do for that to make wine. And then when it was all said and done, the wine was fermented, the process was done, then they would leave it stored in that wine that skin, that wine skin. And that's what they would drink it from. And then when that wine skin, when it was empty, if they tried to reuse it, they may get one or two reuses from it, but if they pushed it, it was going to rupture and tear. When Jesus comes into our life, when Jesus moves in our heart, He doesn't take up in an old life. He doesn't come into something that's already so marred up that it can't be used because if he would come into a sin-filled, sin-scarred life and leave it in that condition, the life couldn't tolerate Christ being there. He just couldn't. That's why when Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus about being born again. And I'm sure we'll cover that. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must have that new, that, that new body. You must have that new appearance. You must have that new life in order to live it for Christ. Folks, those, some of you are listening today who may be lost and undone without Jesus. And I want you to know, and I want you to realize this morning. That He is there ready to make a new life for you. Ready to make a new life for you. And, 
everything that's going wrong. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where your failures are, where your sin has taken you. But I want you to know it hasn't taken you to any place that is so dark, that is so desperate, that is so desolate that Jesus Christ cannot and will not reach down into that life and pull you out and put you into a new life. He will not leave you in that old life like putting new wine into an old wineskin. He will not leave you there to burst and fall apart. He will not put a patch on your old life to make it look good on the outside while it's struggling and tearing apart on the inside. Jesus changes you from the inside out. You have a new garment. You have a new life. You have a new opportunity. Why? Why look anywhere else? The alcohol's not going to do it for you. The drugs are not going to do it for you. The running around and the, the partying and, and the immorality is not going to do it for you. You're sewing patches on old garments that just keep tearing away and getting worse. You're trying to put something new into an old, worn-out, sin-scarred life. And all it's doing is bursting open. And everything that you hope to have and save is falling out. And is going to waste. Jesus offers you something new. Something fresh. Something real. He offers you a new garment so that you're not just patching something old. You have that new life. He's offering you that new life that will hold and contain everything, every blessing, every strength, every encouragement, every motivation, everything that God has through Christ. He's offering you a life that will hold it and it won't rupture and it won't spill out. we got to ask ourselves the question this morning. Why aren't we taking Jesus? The Apostle Paul had some words to say about this. I want to move over to Galatians chapter 3. Verses 1, 2, and 3. And when Paul's talking and preaching to the Galatians, he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched uh, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only, when I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of his faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Paul asked a couple of questions to the Galatians. He asked the question, he said, Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? It's a question. Who has bewitched you? Who has led you astray? 
some of you out there that are watching this right now, you have been conditioned to think that Jesus isn't real. You've been conditioned to think that the Bible isn't real. You've been conditioned to think that God is just some type of a fairy tale or some type of a mystery. You've been conditioned to think that you can do anything you want, live any way you want, and it's always going to be okay because God's not going to care. He loves you anyway. You've been conditioned to think that there is no hell and that everybody's going to go to heaven. You've been conditioned to think many other things that are going on. These folks in Galatia have been conditioned the same way. And Paul asked them, who has bewitched you, folks? Who has bewitched you? Who has told you and convinced you that it is okay to patch up that outward garment? Who to patch up that life, to just put something pretty and nice on the outside? Who has bewitched you and made you think that it's okay to try to put Jesus into that old life without there being any type of a change? Going to church is great and you should go to church. You ought to go to church because you're saved and because you're going there to learn of God. You don't go to church in order to put that patch on the outside knowing that the inside is still corrupt. Who has bewitched you? He goes on and he says, This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. If you claim that you know Jesus, if you are sincere about that, how did you get him? How did you find Jesus? Was it by works of the law? Was it by, well, over in Exodus chapter 20, we have the Ten Commandments. And if I keep those Ten Commandments, I'll be okay. No, you won't. Number one, you can't keep those Ten Commandments. There is none righteous, no, not one. Also, those commandments were not put in place to make you righteous. Those commandments were put in place to show you how condemned you really were because you can't keep them. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, that one's pretty easy to keep, preacher. Is it? Is it? What else do you have that you put in front of God on a daily basis? How about on an hourly basis? Most of you will sit there and say, not me, not a thing. What would God say about it? What would God say about your life and what you put in front of Him? My, my, my. We better get real about this. We're foolish. We're foolish. We're being bewitched. We only receive the spirit of truth by faith. By faith. How can we receive the spirit 
by faith and feel like the law completes the circuit, completes the process. We receive Jesus Christ by faith and He completes everything. The law stands there to show us when we have failed God. The Spirit is there to show us when we need to repent. Faith is there to guide us and lead us into that repentance, into that relationship. When we come back to Mark and we look When we look at the garment and we look at the wine bottles and the skins, what we see is a contrast of trying to take something that is old and make it look new or taking something that is new altogether. Putting it on and making it last forever. These things that we try to patch together on our own are going to fall apart and fail. You can't patch together your salvation. You can't piecemeal salvation together. It has to be complete, a completed work through Christ. And once it is that completed work, once you have all that righteousness of Jesus Christ, it is like a new garment. It is that robe of white that is His, that you and I wear because of our faith in Him. You be encouraged, Christian, when you fail Christ, when you fail Him, you have that Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you don't have to stay down. Get up. Dust yourself off. Repent. Don't let somebody bewitch you. Lost person, don't let someone bewitch you. Don't let someone take you into hell because you won't accept by faith Jesus Christ and what He can do in your life. Don't be taken into hell by the thought and by the bewitching of the attitude that you can piecemeal your life together. You can put patches all over these torn, worn out garments and make it look good on the outside and it'll be acceptable before God because it will not. It will not be acceptable before God. You can't pour something on the inside of a life that has been marred by sin and expect it to stay. That life has to be changed just like that wine bottle has to be changed. The only way that it can be changed is through Jesus. The Pharisees were getting a good picture of this and they didn't like it. Because it was counterproductive to what they were wanting to, things to look like. It, it was counterproductive to their religion. Jesus today is counterproductive to many religions. He is. 
Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. The only one. There are no others. If you're going to get to heaven, you're going to get there by Jesus and through Him alone. I remember a preacher a long time ago. I remember a message. He was talking about how he was struggling through his salvation. And how he finally got to a point through tears. Through tears, he broke down one day and he called out to God. And he said, God, I can't get there on my own. If I get to heaven, it will only be because of you and your son, Jesus Christ. That's the attitude we all need. If I get there, it will be only because of Jesus Christ and because of His promises and because of His teachings. And I can have confidence in that because of Jesus. Confidence. The world is lacking in confidence right now. We're looking for confidence in people, through people. We're not looking for confidence in God. We're not looking for confidence in Christ. When we turn our appearance away from ourselves and our old patched up garments and our, our lives that are filled full of religion and, and we see it pour out in busted and burst lives and we're looking at others to do what God can be doing, what Christ can be doing. We're failing. We're failing ourselves. We're failing the Lord. Let's look to the Lord. Let's look to His Word. Let's let it move and work and touch in our lives. Lost person must call upon Christ to be our Savior. Let's accept it. Some of you watching and listening today need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need to get away from religion. You need to get away from whatever it is that's bewitching you. You need to quit being foolish in your life. You need to call upon Jesus. Christian, Christian, have you allowed yourself to become bewitched? It's easy done. Let's call upon Jesus and let's get that thing right today. Let's call upon Jesus. And let's have him fix these old garments. Let's have him replace that old life with a new life that can be filled up with the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's become born again. Let's become renewed in our walk with the Lord. Let's become revived. As we move in and move on with our life, we'll be blessed for it, and we'll be a blessing to others by letting the Lord work through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word you've given. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for everything that you have, that, that you've shown in, in, in life and through your word. Lord, I pray for all of those listening today. Lord, I pray for myself and for my family. I pray, Heavenly Father, you would bless us, you would hide us, build a hedge about us. Lord, I pray that all of the hearts and the lives that hear your words today. Lord, I pray they would be touched. And I pray they would be called to salvation. I pray they would be called to do and to make that thing right in their life that needs to be made right. 
Lord, I know you're not a God that will patch things together. And Lord, I know you're not a God that will fill up an unworthy and a marred vessel. Lord, I know you're a God that will change that vessel and make it worthy to hold what you put in it. Lord, I know that you'll change that person. You'll change that life. You'll give them a new life in Christ. Lord, I know you'll take away that patched up garment that keeps tearing and falling apart. That life that just keeps failing. And you will provide that new life. One that you have control in. and One that will endure through eternity. Lord, I know according to your word, you're faithful and just. I thank you for that. Bless all of those that have attended today and all that will. And Heavenly Father will be careful to praise, honor, and glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next week, may God bless you is my prayer. So long.